by grace through faith the blessings of the lord they are mine by grace through faith the blessings of the lord they are mine they are mine they are mine the blessings of the lord they are mine they are mine they are mine the blessings of the lord they are mine by faith through grace the blessings of the lord they are mine by faith through grace the blessings of the lord they are mine they are mine they are mine the blessings of the lord they are mine they are mine they Blessings of the Lord, they are mine. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. I hope that everybody is doing great and wonderful. I am Shante Charles, prophet and teacher, and I am the founder, co-founder of Life Nation with my husband, Apostle Robert Charles. And today we are going to be starting a mini-series that is going to go through today and next Sunday. And so I want you to take a moment and join me for just a moment of prayer before we get into our new series on today. Um, I do recognize there is a little bit of um, lag with our YouTube broadcast. So if you are having some problems um, hearing or seeing that broadcast clearly, you can travel over to our Facebook page, Life Nation, um, to catch this live. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness, your faithfulness towards us. Lord God, let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth, let them be acceptable in your sight. For you are my Lord, my creator of all things, my Messiah, my Savior, my way maker. And I thank you, Father, for this word that you have given me to share with your people and to those that would hear that have not yet decided to be your people. So I give you honor, I give you glory, and I give you praise and thanks for this word on today. Let this word do what you have intended for all of your words to do. Let it be a divider of the heart and the soul. Let it go in and let it pierce the places that need to be pierced. Let it convict the hearts that need to be convicted. Let it bring encouragement to the hearts that need encouragement. And it is in your son, Jesus the Christ's name, that I pray, believe, and come with this authority. Amen. And amen. Again, I see that our YouTube is um, having a little bit of lag time. So again, if you want to catch this without any glitches, you can go over to our Facebook page, Life Nation, and we are broadcasting there simultaneously. All right, so let's get into today's word. We are back in the Liberation series, which is a series that I left off um, sharing with you all when I was teaching earlier this year and I was seeking the Lord and I was thinking about going another way with this particular topic and he just gave me some really um, powerful guidance and direction on this series and so today the title of our series is Deity Deity now, I want you to look at those first three letters in the word deity, because that's really where we're going to be going today. Deity, 
the divine nature of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that uh, the Lord wanted me to speak on this today. This is something that I speak on all the time um, in my, what we call my secular profession or my secular capacity. But we're going to talk about it today from the nature of God, the divine nature of God. The God who is divine, our God. And what does deity stand for today? This is what the Father gave me. He said deity stands for diversity, equity, inclusion through Yeshua. Now, I know I lost a whole bunch of people there, and that's okay. Because I know that this is the word of the Lord. And that's where my confidence lies. And then I heard the Spirit say these words. He said, the God that white supremacy fears is the God that includes. I'm going to say that one more time. And go ahead and share this broadcast because we know there's people that need to hear it. The God that white supremacy fears is the God that includes. Whosoever will, let him come. Notice that humanity, that mankind's will is included in the invitation. So God allows for decision and free will. You can type that if you are able to type today. God allows for decision making and free will. He doesn't take this away from mankind. So we make disciples, we don't force disciples. I'm going to say that again. Because we seem to be in a day and age where we're trying where people are trying to force people into a position, into a thought, into a philosophy, into an ideology. They're trying to force people against their will. So we make disciples. We don't force disciples. For that, the Holy Spirit told me, that is the God of empire. That is the God of empire that wants to force you into its ideology. So those of you who know, I am a educator by profession. Thankfully, I'm not an educator in any of the spaces that are banning this kind of teaching. <laughs> so I'm exercising my freedom of speech and I'm exercising my freedom to believe how I believe. So let's talk about what is this three these three letters that have got so many people up in a hackle these days what are these three letters that are causing people to act against the best interests of their own citizens so let's look at diversity first what is diversity in its simplest form diversity means variety it is the practice of including people from a range of different social and ethnic backgrounds. That is what diversity means. It is the practice of including people from a range of different social and ethnic backgrounds. It comes from the Latin word diversus, D-I-V-E-R-S-U-S, diversus, which means various. And as we know, humanity in and of itself is diverse. There are differences that exist amongst humanity. And what we're seeing today in our society is we're seeing a demonizing of difference. So demonizing of difference is the conflict that we see that is ongoing today. Does it even make sense to demonize difference, knowing that there are, without a doubt, unequivocally, in, in differences that exist amongst humanity? 
Does that even make sense to demonize something that occurs in humanity? Let's not forget ocean life, plant life, space life in forms, but there are differences that exist in humanity. All right. So let's now look at equity. This is another word that has become a political football. Let's see what equity means. Equity, the quality of being fair and impartial. That's it. <laughs> the quality of being fair and impartial. In the finance world, it is the value issued by a company for a certain good. The Latin word for equity, we're looking at the etymology as well. The Latin word for equity is aqueous, A-E-Q-U-I-S, aqueous, which simply means equal. All right, so we have diversity, which simply means variety. It's the practice of including people from a range of different social and ethnic backgrounds. You have equity, the quality of being fair and impartial or equal. And then our third word is inclusion. What does inclusion mean? Another word that has become a political football, but let's actually see what it means. Inclusion, providing equal access and opportunities and resources to those who have been excluded or marginalized. Notice in the definition for inclusion, it is not more access which a whole bunch of people are afraid of. It is not more access. It is equal access. It is not special favors. It is equal opportunity to what has been denied. It is not a greater playing field. It is a level playing field. So somewhere in here, someone has obscured this definition to mean that somebody is going to get a leg up. Somebody is going to get more than me. I'm going to be left out in the cold. That's not what inclusion means. It means equal access to opportunities and resources to those who have been excluded or marginalized. So before you go use these terms again for the next coming weeks, please make sure you understand what it is that you're talking about, right? Let's look at deity. Deity, deity, deity. Some people say deity, some people say deity. Depends on your pronunciation and the region of the country that you're in in the region of the world. Deity simply means divine nature. Divine nature. Ironically, it was a term coined by St. Augustine who shaped Western Christianity. Yeah, St. Augustine is, is a lot of people's, they love St. Augustine, but it simply means divine nature. In, Christian, in Christianity or in Christian terms, it is the divine attributes of Christ. It is a single God or supreme being. And as I began to look at this, as I began to look at deity, that was when God said, I want you to talk about the DEI in deity. I want you to talk about the diversity, the equity, and the inclusion that happens in me <laughs> as the supreme being and the creator of all. So I had to do 
a little bit of background. So let me give you a little background about what is happening because I'm here in the United States, so I'm speaking specifically to the United States, but we know that this is a ongoing and growing problem out moving outside of the United States. Well, let's talk about what's happening right now in the United States. There are 30 bills currently across the country that are targeting diversity, equity, and inclusion funding, practice, and promotion at schools. Six states have signed bills into law. Two in Florida, one in the Dakotas, one in Tennessee, and one in Texas. Georgia has begun to implement some things in, in a local uh, policy level in certain towns and cities in Georgia. And also Arkansas are also enacting some anti-DEI policies. In the workforce, 71% of companies in the U.S. have said that they have implemented DEI actions since the murder of George Floyd, yet 76% of companies lack any DEI goals. The current layoffs that are affecting employment across the United States, uh, many of those layoffs are happening in the positions of DEI and affecting the DEI sector specifically and disproportionately impacting black indigenous persons of color in the C-suite the corporate world. So with DEI, there's, they are actually losing representation of black indigenous persons of color who have been in those positions. And some are even, some companies are even choosing to place non-black indigenous persons of color in the role to represent diversity, equity, and inclusion goals. And so, yes, a concern is rising for who will actually be hired to these companies that are now either getting rid of their DEI positions or they are choosing to um, turn the position over to somebody who is not marginalized to make the decisions for marginalized people. Mm-hmm. Now, we must understand that because of America's long history, long history and creation of the color lines that we see today that are still impacting people, federal protections were enacted because states showed they could not be trusted to give freely equal access and opportunity to all. The whole reason why we had things like the Civil Rights Act was because states could not be trusted individually to do right by all of their citizens, regardless of their race, their gender, their sexual orientation, etc., etc. That was the reason why Federal laws had to be enacted in the very first place because you had some states, depending on who was leading, that said, yes, we're going to open up access and opportunity for all. And then you had other states, depending on who was leading, that actually doubled down and said, no, we don't want fairness. We don't want justice for all. We don't want equality and equity for all. That is why these decisions were not left in states' hands to begin with. And so here we are again. In 2023, we are seeing not just unconscious bias, but we are seeing open bigotry. We're seeing open white nationalists and leaders of hate groups or people who are adjacent to and endorsed by those hate groups in positions of power, pushing policy to push back and roll back the rights for marginalized groups. That is what we're seeing 
2023. Why? Because if you give bigotry an inch, it's going to take a mile and 400 more years. That's why. Iowa, Missouri, South Carolina, and Texas want to outlaw DEI in higher education. So why the pushback? And more importantly, where does God speak to DEI? We're going to answer these two questions today. We're going to at least start. Why the pushback? And where does God speak to diversity, equity, and inclusion? So reasons for pushing back. Here are some reasons why we're seeing such a pushback against diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, policies, positions. Number one, it is seen as a threat to individual identity. There are people who feel shamed and there are people who feel blamed. One, they feel shame for any ancestral connection they have to the atrocities that have been committed against black, brown, indigenous people in the United States. So rather than dealing with the shame, because you can deal with shame, shame is a very debilitating emotion. It's a very paralyzing emotion. So we want to deal with it. But they're feeling shame for any ancestral connection they have to the atrocities that have been committed or two, they feel like they are to blame, but they are disconnected from the history by American myths versus reality. So when they start to hear about what has happened in this country with black and brown and indigenous persons, when they start to hear the record, when they start to read the documents, when they start to read the books, when they start to see the documentaries, two feelings comes over them, shame, and then feeling as if they are being blamed for everything that occurred. And so there is pushback. Rather than looking at themselves and saying, why do I feel this way? Rather than looking at their history and saying, Maybe my family wasn't directly connected to this, but I still benefit from the system that is continuing to affect black, brown, indigenous persons disproportionately in this country. Rather than simply doing that, there is pushback to say, we don't want to hear this at all. Number two, the second reason for pushback is that it is seen as a threat to social identity. So you have individual identity and social identity. How do we see this play out? Well, if you are part of a dominant group socially, you can see these efforts to provide equal access and opportunity. You can see these efforts as a challenge to your status. Now, what are considered the dominant groups in the United States? Dominant groups in the United States, men. Men are in a dominant group in the United States. White people or people who are classified or identified as white are the dominant group in the United States based on population data. This is not my opinion. This is data. <laughs> people who are heterosexual or straight. You're seen as a dominant group in the United States. This is not opinion, this is data. So if you fall in any of those groups, you are considered, you have a certain level of privilege as being a part of that group. And guess what? If you fall in all three, talking about intersectionality, you have probably the most privilege out of all those groups separately. So yes, 
if you're in the dominant group or you are in all three of them intersecting, then yes, you could feel that your social identity is being threatened. So what does pushback look like? How does it show up in our life? Number one, it shows up through denial. When you have people saying, this is not a problem. When you have people unwilling to acknowledge the issues that exist like race and class and caste, etc. When you have people saying things like, I don't see color. When you have people saying talking about race is racist, that is called denial. Second way that pushback looks is it looks like disengagement. People who are unwilling to take action. People who struggle with becoming an ally or a co-conspirator. This looks like skipping out on events where they could learn and get educated. This looks like skipping out on education, skipping out on training, feeling no responsibility to be a problem solver. This looks like not saying anything when you do see marginalization happening. This also looks like feeling as if it is not my problem to contend with. I live in the neighborhood. My neighbor's house is on fire, but it's not my problem to call the fire department. Third way, what does pushback look like? Derailment and deflection. This falls into the what about isms? Well, what about this over here? Well, we're talking right now about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, what about global warming? Right now, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It looks like drawing attention away from marginal, from the marginalized to focus on dominant groups instead. This can be very dismissive. This can be people all lives mattering issues. People who insist on protecting the feelings of the dominant groups while ignoring the realities of the marginalized groups. When people say things like, reverse discrimination or why can't we have a white history month or pull yourself up by your bootstraps all of that is derailment and guess what when there is a lack of empathy when there is a lack of knowledge when there is a lack of space to ask questions then the pushback will increase. So a part of what we have to start doing and a part of the ongoing effort is to make room for empathy, is to make room for knowledge, is to make room for the space to ask questions while, while confronting willful ignorance and bad faith arguments. Because yes, there are people that sincerely and genuinely want to understand, but there are also people who have no intentions of understanding at all. So we must use discernment. We generally have an idea of why the world wants to fight against DEI. We generally have an idea of this. But then I said to myself, and I said to the God, <laughs> but why are Christians invested in fighting DEI? Because when it boils down to it and you look at a lot of the bills that are being put out, when you look at a lot of the initiatives that are being put out, when you look at a lot of the, um, how can I put it? When you look at a lot of the ruckus, that is being caused in the public square in places like school board meetings. These are the same people who are in church this morning and this afternoon mm -hmm, who are seriously invested in fighting diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, we do have racism in the church. 
and we do have bigotry in the church and therefore wherever there are people they too will bring their bias with them yeah we also have christian nationalists which is another name for white supremacists who believe in a gospel that puts them first that puts the west first and everyone else after that we have christian identitarians and dominionists that believe that black people are not truly capable of being saved some of their doctrines say that they don't believe that we have a soul so salvation to them is a moot point for us but let's go to our text today and see what God has to say. We're reading one text today, just one. This is part one. So let's look at the text today and see if we can find some variety, some equality, and some equal access to opportunities just to remind Christians who are fighting DEI of what God is saying. Cause I'm talking to Christians today, mainly. Anyone else who's listening, I hope you're getting the benefit of what I'm saying to let you um, know that God is not against diversity, equity, and inclusion now that we know what it is. Let's go to Acts. Acts 2, I'm going to be reading from the uh, Message Bible. Acts 2, 1 through 21 is where we're going to read, and then we'll end with uh, verse 41 and 42. Let's look at Acts 2, starting at verse 1. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. The King James Version says that the Holy Spirit came and uh, sat on them individually with cloven tongues of fire. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Let's stop there for a moment. Now, without warning, no one can tell where it came from, and it filled the whole building. So if I'm going to be in a building, I would, I would like it to somewhat resemble the spirit filling the place that I'm in. But these were believers who were together, and they were together in one place, and there was no announcement there was um, no summonsing of the Spirit, but without warning, the Holy Spirit came in to the place where they were in one accord, waiting for the Spirit. He comes in and he sits on each of them. Now, guess what? There were male and female in this space that came together and the, the text lets us know that it filled all of them who were there. It didn't skip the men. It didn't skip the women. But male and female were in that space or in the upper room. And it filled them. They started speaking a number of diverse tongues. Let's look at verse 5. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on. And they kept saying, Aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? I want to know too. How come we're hearing them talk in all these mother tongues? 
they started speaking a number of, what was that? I'm sorry, diverse languages as the spirit prompted them to. Now, why would the spirit prompt them to speak in more than one language when they could just speak American? It's a joke. But seriously, I mean, shouldn't the spirit have gathered the people and allowed the people to hear the language of the Galileans? There were Jews from all over the world on pilgrimage, but they heard their own mother tongues and they were thunderstruck by this. And this is what the father said to me. He said, this sign of the spirit that drew their attention, that united nations to hear about God in their own tongue, they did not assimilate to God. They didn't assimilate to God. God diversified to them. Let that sit for a moment. They didn't assimilate to God to learn about God. God diversified himself, expressed himself through diversity of tongues to reach them. Now let's see who he reached. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, oh, I'm sorry, did he diversify for the immigrants too? Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. There was a saying back then that all Cretans were liars and deceivers. So there was a reason why they said even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages, verse 12. They're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. So if you kind of want to know maybe how the gospel spread to these other areas, <laughs> they're speaking our languages, describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? And of course, they had to be some comedians in the middle because human nature. Other people joked, they're drunk on cheap wine. They must be drunk. They must be out of it. Because we know there's a comedian or two always in the midst when humanity is involved. And when humanity doesn't understand something that's going on, somebody is going to make a joke out of what's, what's going on. Because guess what? That's people, right? They must be drunk as skunks. <laughs> so they say, how come, we're, how come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? They are all Galileans. But it wasn't about the Galileans. It was about God reaching all the nations represented through this little batch of Galileans. This group of commoners, this group of fishermen, and everyday ordinary people speaking these very beautiful, very different, very dialectically different, very culturally different languages to hear one message about praising God and God's mighty 
works. So let's dig in a little bit to who these people were. The Parthians are today's Eastern Iranians. The Medes are today's Kurdistan population. The Elamites are the Lurs or the Persians. The Mesopotamians are the Iraqis, the Syrians, the Kuwaitis, and the Turks. The Judeans are the Jews that had been expelled. The Cappadocians are a ethnic Greek population. The Pontus are another ethnic Greek population. Then you have the Asians. Then Phrygians were the Anatolians or the Armenians. Then the Pamphylians were of the Roman province. Then the Egyptians were the also known as Africans back then. The Libyans were North Africans. Then you had the immigrants from Rome. And then you had the Cretans and the Arabs. The Cretans were also really the first Greeks who were known as the Minoans, which is somebody that I get to teach on every week professionally. So I'm going to show you what the Minoans looked like. They had also had the Sidonians and the Pelas Gaius. Those were the people. God used a diversity of languages to call a diverse people to become one with him. He invited diverse people to become one with him. He invited people from different backgrounds, different social structures, different ethnicities, different classes, different castes, different, all of that. And he called them in their own language to one supreme being. To become one with him and join with one another in serving this supreme God and serving your fellow mankind. So as somebody is joking and getting their comedic relief about what is going on, verse 14, that's when Peter stood up and backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. This ain't no joke. <laughs> These people aren't drunk as some of you suspect. I know what you're suspecting. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. We're just out here fulfilling prophecy at nine o'clock in the morning. That's all that's going on. But let me tell you what the prophecy said. It said in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Uh-oh. I hope that didn't knock over your religious cow today. I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy. Also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. I'm going to bypass your prejudices around gender. I'm going to bypass your prejudices around age. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs in the earth below. Blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red and the New York sky turning orange, but God is still God. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. Whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. He didn't say whoever calls out to help and passes all of your specifications will be saved. He said whoever calls out to me, God will be saved. And Peter goes on to preach Jesus, the Christ. And he starts with the Israelites in the wilderness and brings them all the way up to the present point. 
Verse 40 says, Peter went on in this vein of preaching Christ for a long time, urging them over and over, get out while you can. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. Get out of this culture that wants to divide people. I want you to know that God is calling out to you. God is expressing himself. God is letting you know about his great and mighty works. God is inviting you in your own mother tongue with all of your split verbs and adjectives in African-American vernacular English and Gullah Geechee and, and Creole and, and Patois. God is inviting you To get out of a culture that doesn't receive everybody. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to teaching, to the teaching of the apostles. They committed themselves to the life together. Iranians, Kurdistans, Persians, Iraqis, Syrians, Kuwaitis, Turkish, Greeks, Armenians, Romans, Africans, Jews, Cretans, Arabs committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the life together, the common meal and the prayers. That is what happened at Pentecost. Part of the miracle of Pentecost was that diversity, equity, and inclusion did not stop people from uniting, from coming together, from deciding I'm going to follow this God that unites cultures and ethnicities and tribes and people of different languages. And they made a commitment. They made a commitment to a life together. Why do we have Christians out here making a commitment to a life of exclusion? Why do we have Christians out here making a commitment to a life of sameness and kicking everybody else out. That is the antithesis of what happened directed by the Spirit of God that came without warning. That's a direct slap in the face of the God who sent his Spirit to gather the nations. So I'm talking to Christians today because Christians are the ones who are putting God's name on all this anti-DEI stuff. And I need us to go back to the foundation and look and actually look at what God actually did. So I'm going to stop there today, but I want us to pray into this because I believe that there's going to come another sound. There's going to come another move of the spirit without warning, without human direction, that nobody's going to tell where it came from and nobody's going to be able to take the credit as it fills the whole earth. As the Spirit of God begins to convict people's hearts. And it's going to call people in their mother tongue to come together and to recommit to what the gospel message actually is. To recommit <laughs> to the life together. To recommit to prayer. To recommit to the oneness that is found in God and in his glory and not the glory of anybody else's. So if somebody is telling you that God is saying come while excluding everybody else, I'm just here to tell you that ain't God.
That's not a God initiative. And we're going to stop there for today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Father, for the sign of the Holy Spirit that you want to unite nations to hear about you, to know you, to learn of you, to grow together in oneness, to receive your word and your truth, to operate in your character, which is holy, loving, and just. I thank you, Father, that you will yet again use diversity and equity and inclusion, and that you will say today, whosoever will, let him come. You're calling people to you today, and I pray that they hear your call. I pray that they hear the call of the Holy Spirit, even now. It is in your Son, Jesus the Christ's name, that we receive and we believe. Amen and amen. I want to show you who the Minoans were as we close out today. This is, this is the Minoans. They were a seafaring people. But even the seafaring people, even the people who had palaces, even the people who were known as a mighty naval nation, even they went on pilgrimage. Even they came to see what was happening. This was a people who supposedly worshipped a, a, a serpent deity. But even they came to see what was happening, what was going on at Pentecost. <clears throat> These were people whose culture was directly impacted by what happened at Pentecost. So I want you to think about that on today. I pray that you received the word today. I pray you got something out of the message. <coughs> Excuse me. And those of you who requested prayer, we would definitely uh, pray for you and your family. Uh, Bamuna, we will definitely pray for your family. And Rebecca Towns, happy birthday. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great Sunday, be well, and be light.